Welcome to the Cardio Advisor podcast show with me, Hugh Hattrick. Now, I hope you're well and having a fantastic week. And I'm not only going to be your host today, but also the special guest. Because due to diary uh, configurations, we were not able to meet up with Andrew Dixon. He'll come later on next week when we do our review of the Bahrain Grand Prix. But today's show is very exciting because it's all about Tesla versus BMW. That's right, the new Model Y, which is tipped to outsell every other Tesla combined. And we've got the lowdown, the details, and it's all coming up on today's show. Now, what else do we have on the show? Let's see. Is it the end of the road for the city car? In this week's show, we go into city cars and how they are at risk of extinction. There is a great uh, review in Autocar as to the costs of small cars like the Fiat 500, um, the Skoda um, Citigo and the Seat Mi um, are basically very, very expensive to produce and they can make less than £100 profit on any car from the manufacturer. So will it be the end of the small car or the city car as we know it? Find out later in the show. And we have special news on the VW Group and the fact it's going to be bringing out lots of electric vehicles. And this is to try and tackle um, its emissions target, to which are going to be greatly reduced by 2050. But there are three main cars being launched later on, and we'll have details on the VW ID, the Buzz, and the Cross, because they're all coming soon. So let's get started on the Cardio Advisor podcast show. Welcome to the Car Deal Advisor Podcast Show. The presenter of this show is Hugh Hedrick. Get ready for special motoring legends and great deals on your next set of wheels. So the five red lights have just gone out and it's go, go, go. Right, it's all about Tesla. Now this is the new Model Y. And it's tipped to outsell every other Tesla that's been on the market so far. It's an electric crossover and it's going to be a rival for the Audi, BMW and also the Mercedes electric vehicles. Now, according to Elon Musk, this is going to have the functionality of an SUV, but ride like a sports car. Now, that's quite a claim to make, but certainly Teslas so far have been pretty good. So you want to low down on what is it like? What kind of performance can it produce? Well, the Model Y performance gets 280 miles worth of range, 150 miles an hour top speed, and a 0 to 60 time of just 3.5 seconds, which is pretty good. You'll be able to burn off pretty much anyone else on the lights if that's your cup of tea. Now, this car as well will be able to seat up to 7 people, and potentially on the top of the range versions, it will actually have 300 miles of range. Mind you, that car will be quite pricey. The, the kind of cheapest or entry-level car will cost round about £29,000 or $39,000, rising to just over £38,500, um, which is uh, uh, for the kind of the mid-spec car. Um, but they also the mid-spec car has a slightly higher top speed of 135 miles an hour and 4.8 seconds to for a 0 to 60 compared to the entry-level model. And if you want the top-of-the-range car as well, um, which is the 300-mile range, 
And uh, oh, sorry, it's not the top of the range. It's the uh, entry level car. It has a five and a half second zero to sixty and three hundred miles of range. That is round about thirty five and a half thousand pounds. So there's basically three cars in there um, at different prices, um, with the maximum going for forty five thousand pounds. So, so let's do. So you've got the basic car, which does two hundred eighty miles, and then you've got one at three hundred miles, and then you've got one that also does two hundred eighty miles, but it has a bit more speed, um, which is the high performance model. So you've got a good range of cars to choose from. Now, it's also the Model Y is compatible with the new super third generation of the superchargers, which are capable of two hundred fifty kilowatt recharging, which means that you can actually recover seventy five miles of range in just five minutes and the charging rates are up to a thousand miles per hour and tesla now has more than twelve thousand superchargers across the globe in over 36 countries so there's a good chance there's maybe a supercharger not too far away and with their investment as well it's quite likely that that will continue but looking at the pictures of the interior they are quite spectacular i mean let's just have a have a uh, look at some of the facts here. It echoes the Model 3 with the all-encompassing 15-inch touchscreen dominating the dash. I mean, honestly, it's like a, a monitor from your, you know, your main PC. It's absolutely massive. And it sits there in the middle of the dash. Everything else is very clean. There's hardly any dials. Everything's going to be fully digitalized. So it's really quite a machine. Um, we can't wait to see what it's like. Perhaps if there's anyone from Tesla listening or any one of our listeners connected to Tesla, when it comes out, you can maybe help us get a drive. But it's certainly quite a car and it's due to arrive on UK roads in 2020, which is quite a machine. So the Model Y clearly is going to be a rival for the BMW 3 Series, um, the Mercedes C-Class and the Audi A4. And it's certainly going to be very exciting. And we can't wait to see what the other manufacturers come up with, because they're going to have to come up with something pretty good to be able to beat this, the Tesla Model Y. Now, I'm going to put some pictures up, hopefully, on the website over the next day or two, so you'll be able to see that once the podcast comes out. But let us know your thoughts. Why don't you email at podcast at cardioadvisor.co.uk and let us know what you think. It's a phenomenal car from what we can see. So let's get on to our next section. Right, now it's on to the city car, and will it be extinct? Now, I have to say, I'm not a massive fan of the smallest cars available on sale in Britain. For example, things like the Skoda Citigo and the Seat Me, or the Volkswagen Up. I do find them a bit boring and just rather expensive for what you get. But what was quite interesting was a review in Autocar magazine that was saying that how little money the manufacturers actually make when they produce these cars. Some of them are saying that they make less than £100 on every car, which is kind of incredible when you think how expensive they are. And some of them are pretty basic, having just, you know, things like traction control, power steering, and not even air conditioning on some of the entry-level models. Maybe a bit of Bluetooth, but really you think it's just a bare shell with four wheels and a very basic engine. And yet they can't make money when a car costs about seven or eight or £9,000 to sell on the forecourt. So certainly costs are quite high, producing these kind of cars. Now, I suppose they might have to have very stringent uh, crash tests and things like that. So they do have to put a lot of investment into it. Um, but it's surprising to hear that these cars are really going out of fashion and are so expensive to produce. But what it means is that um, uh, companies like VW, which of course own Skoda and Seat, they're having to um, share platforms. And even Fiat was saying 
that they might have to um, share platforms with other manufacturers as well. So you could perhaps have Fiat Volks, you know, Fiat Volkswagen or Fiat and Ford or perhaps other manufacturers, um, you know, crossing the segments um, to make sure that they can make a car that's actually quite good. Now, I don't know if any of our listeners have driven the VW up or cars like that, or the Fiat 500, which I do have to say, I do have a place for the Fiat 500, especially the R-Bath versions. I do like them. I think they're quite fun and quite good value for money overall. And Fiat tends to be a bit better value, so you could get a great car. In fact, one of the best cars in the Fiat 500 range, I would say, actually is the R-Bath. Because if you're going to go for a petrol, you may as well go, may as well go for one that's quite decent, that's, that's fast, it's fun. Um, and it's a little 1.4 turbo petrol is a really nice engine. Um, and actually, it holds its value quite well because the R-Bath version is an awful lot rarer than the standard 1.2 petrol. So it's definitely a car to look out for. And I hope that they can still make new versions of the 500 and are not going to be um, feeling that they're going to have to can that car. But certainly, I think it's been such a success for Fiat. I would think it would be quite unlikely um, that uh, they'll, they'll drop it. But there's no doubt we need small cars because, you know, cities are quite polluted. And if you want to get about and be able to park your car in a small parking space, small cars are essential. But it's going to be about the design. The thing is, SUVs, the sports utility vehicles, they are profitable. Manufacturers make an absolute fortune out of them, but they're not making any money out of these small cars. So what will happen? What is going to be the way forward? Well, some people think that the, the idea of car sharing might be the answer, which means, you know, you, you don't actually own a car, but um, you maybe share it with a, like a car sharing group or a car club, uh, which I think could go to some way as long as they're, they're kept in good condition and they work well and you've got enough cars nearby where you live. Then that is quite um, a reasonable idea. But it can be quite expensive to run. And to be fair, in some cases, if you need to use the car a lot, you're probably better off actually owning your car. Um, the only issue is, is where do you park it? So that's probably the main advantage of a car club is that you can put it back to a space um, that's near where you live um, and it saves you having to pay parking fees and things like that. Um, there have been a few manufacturers that have tried to kind of fill a new gap or a new gap in the market with things like Renault with the Twizy because that retails for around about £8,000 plus battery rental. Now, in fact, you can actually get them for a bit cheaper than that. There's quite a few on the market secondhand for over maybe three to £4,000, going up to maybe about 6500 for something that's maybe about a year or two old. The only thing is they've got a very limited range. I mean, literally, maybe it's 40 miles, um, plus you have to pay extra for the battery. But I think if they invest a bit more into that kind of car, things like the Renault Twizy, which is a basic, it, really, it is a two-seater at maximum, but really it's a one-seater with a little bit of luggage space. Um, but they're not too bad, but they're maybe limited use because at the moment they don't have windows. or It's very, very basic. Um, so it's maybe harder to leave at your work unless you're sure you've got a, a pretty secure um, space to put it. But that might be one of the ways in which you can help with uh, um, getting your city car um, demands um, for a lot less money, or maybe just have a better car. Um, and, if you, and, you know, instead of a small car like the VW Up, a Renault Twizy might just be the issue. I always thought they should use that car and put a petrol engine in it, because it would be far, far better, have much better performance. You'd be able to do, you know, 100, 200 miles on a tank, no problem. And it would probably be a bit more fun to drive and a bit lighter as well, because these battery electric cars are incredibly heavy. And sometimes that is really kind of felt in the handling. But certainly, what do you think is going to happen with these small cars? Will they be saved? Will we always be able to have them? Or are they going to be simply too expensive to produce and you're better off 
whether that's a, a, a Sandero for just five nine nine nine. I mean, let's face it, it's big enough. It's a one point or sorry, 0.9 petrol engine or 1.2 petrol, five door. Might not have a radio, but you can buy that for 100 quid. So it might be actually a far better option if you're not so worried about your badge and um, what car is on your driveway. But city cars are certainly going through major changes. And it looks like as they bring out new models, there's going to be a lot more platform sharing. Um, but hopefully the designs will get a bit better. Now, they are obviously going to make electric city cars too. Japan's, in Japan especially, um, they've been doing this for quite some time. Um, and uh, there's a number of electric cars that you can get over there which aren't available yet in Europe. But they reckon that some of the technology from these cars will come across to the European models. And we could see some much better range and maybe a car that's actually, you know, it's maybe worth putting an electric uh, uh, battery pack into these small cars to make it far better to get around town without producing any kind of CO2. But then, of course, you're going to have to make sure that you've got access to a decent charger. Otherwise, it defeats the purpose. So there you have it. Electric cars or the small cars, what's going to happen? And are we able to save the city car? Well, we'll soon find out. But again, let us know. Send us an email. It's podcast at cardoadvisor.co.uk and we'd love to read out your comments and see if we can answer your questions. So let's get on to the next section after this quick commercial break. At cardioadvisor.co.uk, we can help you save thousands of pounds on your next new car or van. And we can also source second-hand cars as well. And we can save you money on car rental, whether it be in the UK and abroad. Just click our rental link on the website. And we'll give you a free gift if you trade in your car with We Buy Any Car using our special website link. So go to the website now and see how much you can save. And it's back to the show. Thanks for listening. Now, Volkswagen has huge ambitions when it comes to electric vehicles. It's looking to introduce a sub £18,000 entry-level electric car that will also spawn a number of similar models. Now, there's going to be an electric people's car, um, but that's not to be confused with the ID hatch, and that's due to be put on sale in 2023 for around £17,200. Now, it's going to be similar to the small crossover, uh, which is, of course, the T-Cross, um, and it will have a number of battery options. The smallest offering uh, will have a range of around about 124 miles. Now, it's uh, basically made a plan to have a whole family of electric vehicles that will all be on sale before 2025. So this is really a massive plan, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they can carry it off. So it will span from small city cars... Um, right up to bigger cars and, of course, the kind of famous people carrier that they're also making it as well. So let's go into some details. Now, the VW Group, which includes Audi and Bentley, uh, Porsche, Bugatti, Skoda, um, has an initial target of 50 electric vehicle models by 2030. Um, now, that was set in 2017. And this is all to try and lower its average emissions. You see, at the moment, uh, VW's fleet CO2 footprint, um, they're hoping to make it 30% lower than in 2015. But this takes massive investment in electrifying their models, which is going to cost, uh, they reckon, £22 billion. And that's by 2023. So the first two vehicles that VW are going to produce uh, on electric is going to be the Audi e-tron and the Porsche Taycan. 
I don't know where they get these names from, but they're quite something. I thought the Cayman was something else. And then they had, what was it? They've got the Cayenne. You've got the, the Panamera. Now you've got the Taycan. Um, but simply, it's had over 20,000 expressions of interest for each new car. So that being the, the Audi e-tron and the Porsche Taycan. Um, then there's going to be more um, kind of entry-level models or kind of more uh, models based on the new electric architecture, including the VW ID hatchback, um, the Cross, the Buzz and the Vision, spelt V-I-Z-Z-I-O-N. Yes, obviously the grammar is just as good in Germany as it is in Britain. And of course, the, it's going to be a Seat Elborn and a production version of the Skoda Vision E. Now, these cars are supposed to have a range of 340 miles, which is a big improvement um, compared to current electric cars. Now, the Volkswagen boss Herbert Diess said the planned range expansion will increase the predicted number of full EVs to the group um, by 2030 from 15 million to 22 million cars, making up around 40% of the group's vehicle fleet. He added that the new goal was part of an effort to make the VW group CO2 neutral by 2050. Now the thing is, car manufacturers are facing increasingly tough CO2 targets. So VW's goal is in line with a lot of uh, the the details from the Paris Agreement on Climate Change, and of course that is uh, an agreement to cut the targets um, and to make Europe CO2 neutral by 2050. Um, It's a massive fundamental change, and basically they said um, the super tanker is picking up speed as becoming faster and more agile, VW is evolving from car maker to a software company. And that's certainly true when you think, look how much electronics, and basically it's all kind of toys going into cars nowadays, rather than just a simple petrol engine. So, by 2022, there will be 13 electric vehicle factories over three continents producing electric cars. And uh, the first um, one will be the VW ID Hatch, and that will um, come off the line at the Zico plant, and that will be at the end of this year. So actually, they're going to come fast, fast and furious um, as VW launches all these new cars. So it's a massive investment, but certainly quite exciting. And I have to say, from looking at the three cars, they're really rather nice to look at. Very futuristic, kind of very kind of modern and kind of like something out of a science fiction film. So we'll certainly give you more information as we get more on the new VW electric vehicles. But again, let us know what you think. Do you think it's the way forward? Give us an, an email, podcast at cardoadvisor.co.uk and let's see what you think. And for the best comments, we'll read them out in the next show. Now there's good news for all you Toyota GT86 fans. There's a new one coming. Now the old one, uh, or the current car, was launched in 2011 and it was made in conjunction with Subaru. The good news is it's going to be continuing on the same lines with the same partnership making the new car. Um, But it's been really quite a big success for Toyota. And they want to make a new one because there were rumours that when they made the new Toyota Supra that the GT86 um, wouldn't be replaced. Um, But it's been um, confirmed that it will indeed come along. um, And it's going to be coming in the next year or two. Um, as it's really a car that Toyota need to get on their books because it's a popular machine and it's great to have a kind of um, sporting model that's relatively affordable. In fact, these cars have been selling rather well for a while and for, I know last year, 
Um, there were some great pre-registration deals on the Toyota uh, GT86 for around about 22 grand, which for a new car, which is nice and sporty, gives you plenty of fun on an A-road, is a fantastic deal. And I know that some rental companies were also trying to get them on their fleet um, to put out at a very competitive rate. Um, but certainly these are good cars to be kind of almost like an ambassador for the for the manufacturer. Toyota loves having, you know, and as any other manufacturer would, a nice sporty car to sit at the top of the range so people come into the showroom and say, hmm, I would quite like one of those. And of course it is really just a two-seater. Um, but there's a bit of room, a little bit of boot space, but it's a great car. So if you're uh, like the current GT86, then you'll be pleased to know that there's a new one coming very soon. Now we have some breaking news. Now it's just been brought to our attention that the EU has is about to pass a law introducing speed limiters across the, um, the EU-wide countries, which will mean um, that whenever you're driving on any particular type of road in a new car from 2022, um, it will alert you as to whether or not you're driving within the speed limit. And if you're going over the speed limit, it may well cause some kind of beep um, and possibly slow you down. Now, I was quite appalled when I heard about this, because I don't know about you, I'm a, a driving fan, I'm a car enthusiast, and one of the things that makes me that is my kind of love for freedom and to be able to drive around on a quiet road and you know it's you know most people if they're honest will probably speed at some point and you want to enjoy acceleration braking and that's why you buy a car that's fun or you know that you you have a like for different types of cars and I think this legislation in principle is just absolutely wrong now I know this is going to be quite controversial there'll be a lot of people thinking well will this perhaps stop um, you know so many accidents that are speed related but I think more accidents now are caused by people being distracted. For example, it could be loud music, it could be mobile phone, um, they could get tired, um, or they could be under the influence of drugs or alcohol. So I think that's far more dangerous. And I don't think simply having a speed limiter is going to do any good. Now, when I looked into this further, I noticed there was a good uh, report in The Telegraph um, that one of the Conservative MEPs had managed to, um, or the group of Conservative MEPs had managed to um, have a, a, a slight change in the law, which means that they can only alert you to the fact that you're going over the speed limit. So according to that, it looks as if um, it's not going to be quite as bad as what we thought initially. Um, they're not going to be able to um, slow you down or stop you going over the speed limit. They're simply going to alert you to the fact that you are going over the speed limit. Um, now, some cars already have that. I know we've got a Renault, um, a, a Renault Clio, and if you put the uh, um, speed limiter on, it alerts you whenever you go over that uh, speed limit. So if it's something like that, then it's not quite so bad. But it is the fact that as a GPS tracker, they want a black box as well to kind of make you think, right, what's been going on in the event of an accident? But it's a pretty major kind of George Orwell 1984, you know, we're going to track you regardless. Now, you might think, well, if you've already got a satellite navigation in your car, they can track you from that. And that's true, but it's your option to use it, just like you would use your phone in your car in terms of, you know, like your Google Maps, when you have it on a on a sticker on the window, you know, so it's it's there and you're looking at it every so often to see where the directions are. And, um, you know, that's something that you opt to do. And you're not kind of hoping that that's going to be tracking you by, the, you know, the government's going to know where you are. You're simply getting from A to B. But this is a real kind of influence to um, track you and to curb your speed 
Um, and who's to say that it's simply if you did go over the speed limit, they couldn't inform the, the police or whatever that that's what's been happening. So I think it's it's just something that goes against the freedom of driving and also about responsibility. Um, you know, we want our, you know, we're responsible for our driving and we want to be able to get on without government interfering in everything. But this is a major, major piece of legislation, and I hope, I hope they can drop it or that it fails to pass. I, ideally, that would be the best thing. Because also, it's another bit of regulation that's going to put up the cost of motor cars, um, which means more technology. And will it actually help? I just don't really see it helping because people will then switch off. You know, if you if you think everything is done for you, then you're not going to be paying attention to your driving, and then you're far more likely to have an accident um, when you're when you're not paying attention. It's like these twenty mile an hour speed limits, because people say, oh, you won't kill somebody if you over, you know, if you if you hit them at twenty miles an hour. So people go at that speed and they're not paying attention. It's also quite difficult in towns and cities to drive at twenty miles an hour because the cars aren't geared for them. So let me know what you think, because this is a major, major topic. And I have to say, I was so angry when I first heard it. I thought, it's me, not more of this. That's the last thing we need, is this kind of legislation. We want freedom. We want to be able to drive and get on and have progress and not being continually slowed down um, by EU regulations and so on. But that's the main headlines for today. So a new EU rule um, proposing that we will have to have speed limiters in every new car and van and truck by 2022, and similarly they're going to be retrofitted by 2024. So cars um, that are already sold will have to have them as well, which is an even another piece of expensive equipment, um, which really could cost quite a bit of money. So let's hope that gets dropped. But let me know what you think. You can email me at podcast at cardioadvisor.co.uk and let me know what you think. Well, that's us coming to the end of my solo show this week. Now, we've got the Bahrain Grand Prix on Sunday. I'm going to do my best to try and cover that, although we are quite busy at the weekend. And no doubt we'll have another show with myself and Andrew Dixon uh, and also with my good friend Jonathan Sutherland a bit later on, um, probably towards the end of next week or into uh, towards Easter time. But have a wonderful Easter holiday if you're coming to your holidays this week. And we look forward to catching up with you all with the latest news on the Cardio Advisor podcast show. And remember, you can visit our website, which is cardioadvisor.co.uk, for amazing services, great deals on car rental. If you're going on your holidays, book now before it's too late. Um, and also you can get other services um, on there as well, like you can trade in your car with We Buy Any Car. You can drive a supercar for just £49. What a wonderful present that would be. So make sure you listen to or you, you go to our services page on the website and get a fantastic deal from there. But it's bye from me and have a fantastic week and drive carefully. Bye just now.